Welcome back to the McCann Dogs Podcast, episode 52. And today we are going to chat about something that I think when I was a uh, new dog owner, this is something I was really, really worried about. Um, The idea that uh, my untrained dog could... uh, bolt out the door or bolt off of the property maybe it's out of a gate or something like that and um, joining me today as uh, she is every week is instructor Shannon Viljasso she's the uh, director of online training at our my dog can program Uh, and thanks for joining us Shannon thanks for having me hi everybody so I would love to uh, jump right into this. So today we are talking about uh, threshold training and it's from Instructor Shannon's blog post called The Gate Escape. <laughs> I'm Ken Steep and welcome back to McCann Dogs. Now this isn't a, a super uncommon thing for uh, you know most dog owners to really be aware of or concerned about Shannon and what was uh, what was the what prompted you to create this uh, article in the blog post yeah so we actually get this question a lot like how do I stop my dog from bolting out the front door and of course we teach all sorts of different exercises to stop the dog from bolting out the front door um, but we also want to make sure that we are covered in the event that something happens that's unexpected like for example you might close the front door but it might not catch and it might just slowly creep open when you're not noticing it or the back gate might blow open um, we want the dog this was actually in response to um, one of our our, uh, one of our Facebook followers contacted me with this question, you know, how do I, how do I stop my dog from doing those things, bolting out the door, etc. And I thought, you know what, this will be a great, we usually take questions with our podcast to answer. And I thought this will be a great answer for that question as well. And it covers all sorts of other details. So a very important thing to keep those dogs safe. And ultimately what we want to do is we want to put the responsibility on the dog for those instances where we're not able to see what's going on. You know, if I let my dog out in the backyard and I don't realize that the back gate has blown open, if I'm not there to tell my dog not to leave the yard or I'm not there to recall him if he does happen to leave the yard, I still want him to be safe and I want him to understand that his job is to respect that threshold as a boundary unless he's specifically given permission to go through it. So I always make sure that I'm consistent with a release word with that. I love this idea that um, we're giving our dog a little bit more uh, responsibility when they're ready for it. Um, this makes me think a little bit about uh, when I was first training um, Deegan, when we were walking, uh, you know, if we go to a place that had a sidewalk, anytime we'd get to the sidewalk, uh, at the end of the sidewalk, I'd uh, ask her to sit. And, and uh, it's something that we work on in a grade one program with that automatic sit when you slow down. So, I mean, this sort of this idea translates into uh, this threshold training as well. And um, let's talk about some places where people might be able to use this training. Yeah, so I would say without question, every dog should be trained to never go through the threshold of their front door or the back gate or whatever scenario is in your life. You know, if you've got a side door that you also want to include that in, those are the important ones. Those are the really, really crucial safety elements. Um, I also use this with my dogs in the car. I have crates in the car, of course. So when I open my hatch, the crates are still closed, but I also want to make sure that I can open the crate door and clip on a leash 
attention, take my time, and I'm not having to battle and try to block my dog and try to fight them from jumping out of the car because they're excited to be wherever we happen to be. You know, I don't know if there's um, if there's going to be a danger behind me, if there's traffic behind me. I want to make sure that my dog doesn't jump out of the car until I've checked the scene. I know I've got him either safely under verbal control or on leash, and at that point I can release him out of the car. I also use this one with my dogs in my house a lot. I have a, a fairly small kitchen and um, Reggie, who is my older dog, and I use this as an example in the blog post, Reggie, my older dog is horrible for being underfoot when there is food involved. So I've used this training to teach him that he is not allowed in the kitchen unless I specifically invite him into the kitchen. And of course, I have to get him through the kitchen to get out my back door to get him into the backyard. That's just the, the setup of my house. So he needs to have he needs to have the capability of understanding he can go in the kitchen, but only when I've given him permission. So that's a really important one for me because of course, a dog underfoot when you've got hot, uh, hot food moving around can be a very, very dangerous thing. So if there are situations where you know, maybe you have a young baby and you want to make sure that the dog is not allowed in the baby's room. That would be a great opportunity to use threshold training and teach the dog it's their responsibility not to come in unless they're invited, that sort of thing. So really you can use this anywhere it makes sense in your life. And once you've trained it on one of those thresholds, it's much, much easier to transfer over to the other thresholds. So it's not nearly as much work once you've done it the first time. Now, something interesting that I saw in your uh, blog post was uh, about the dog thief, and uh, I and I know that uh, we've had some uh, comments and questions about that on our social media. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that I I don't immediately think of when I'm talking about training, or you know, I think it's something maybe at the back of my mind. But um, some of our audience really sees that as uh, you know a vulnerability. So um, you know, how would you apply that to that scenario? Right. So again, being that, and this was the direct question that I got from one of our Facebook followers. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've never thought of that before. And that is absolutely relevant and such an important thing. We do see videos online of, you know, home security cameras picking up somebody opening a fence and then just luring the dog out of the yard. So Again, if it's the dog's responsibility not to cross that threshold, and of course, this is not a fail-safe thing, especially if you've got a small dog that's that's friendly enough that somebody could pick them up, then you need to have other measures in place as well. But there was even, um, it was a dog to Bordeaux, so a huge dog that was on a video that was circulating on Facebook, and someone just opened the gate and lured, I think it was two dog to Bordeaux, actually, now that I think of it. But either way, even one, quite frankly, it's just, it's too much for somebody to steal any dog, let alone uh, multiple dogs in the home but um, that dog you wouldn't be able to pick up so that would be a safety measure in place for that dog if somebody you know would try with all their might to get them to cross the threshold but the dog knows they're not allowed to without hearing that specific release word that is potentially going to save your dog from being stolen and I thought that was a really good point that this person brought up it was great beyond those um really obvious uh, visual barriers and things like that are there any like um uh, i know you mentioned some uh, imaginary barriers i i'm sure this is easier to teach with really definitive things like a doorway uh or like a gate you know there's very but are there other instances that you can think of that some of our audience may be using this uh, technique 
Yeah, most definitely. And and I mean, if you wanted to put it into a situation where you were using a dog, a dog bed or something of that nature as a barrier or as an, a more obvious barrier for the dog, you can certainly do that too. There's no rules against that at all. Um, I've taught barrier training in open areas before just using some sort of, I've used a PVC pipe so that it's something that I can just pull out easily. I can put on the ground in front of my dog and I can quickly fade it out as well. So it's not super obvious for my dog. I have um, moved that PVC pipe and then gone to just laying a leash along the ground. So my dog learns that visual, they can't cross over the leash and then gradually faded out the leash. So there's all sorts of ideas. You could use a towel because it's easy to move it. You could use a rug, you know, anything that sort of um, will be a good visual for your dog, you could certainly use to help the understanding of the actual barrier if there's not a physical barrier. There's some of those open concept homes, for example, that would be a good uh, a good way of teaching this training for sure. So now that we've really covered a lot of the why, uh, let's jump into the how, you know, let's, let's talk about how you might teach your dog to uh, really understand and respect uh, some of these, this threshold training or barrier training. Yeah, definitely. And the nice thing about this is your dog doesn't have to have a ton of obedience skills in place to start this training. So you can start with a young baby puppy. I will start this training with my dogs as soon as they come home, because especially at that point, that's when my dog is at their most vulnerable because I haven't necessarily taught the recall yet. They don't necessarily have the understanding that the house is a safe place, et cetera, et cetera. So I can put my dog in that position when they're very, very young. All they need to understand is how to to respond to a sit cue and how to respond to a release cue. And that's where I will initially start this. I will start with a leash so I can control where my dog's going. I don't want my dog to go wandering off while I'm trying to teach him any of these things. I want him to stay with me. So that leash is just going to help with the physicality of keeping him with me if he decides something else is a little bit more interesting. So I will walk my dog up to that threshold on leash and then I'll just ask them to sit. And once they sit, I'm going to make sure that I really, really reinforce that behavior. What I'm trying to do is build a really strong history of reinforcement for that sit position. And actually, I should interject with, it doesn't have to be a sit. It can be whatever you'd like. If you want your dog to simply stop and stand, it's a little bit less clear for the dog if they're not in a stationary position like a sit or a down, but you could certainly use a stand as well. Just be prepared to really proof that exercise out. So basically, I'm just going to bring my dog up to that threshold, ask him for the sit, and then I'm going to make sure that the rewards are abundant. And as I'm working through that, I'm going to make sure that if he does make a mistake and if he does not sit, for example, when I've asked for the sit, I simply use clarity to place him into position and to let him know that he needs to follow that cue. You know, I, 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 that clarity is what's going to help him know both right and wrong. I need to be very clear if he doesn't sit, just a gentle placement. It doesn't have to be anything harsh, but I need to insist and say, you must because that's the expectation that I have for him. When you talked a little bit about uh, using either a sit or a stand, and I know a stand is something we teach in some of our advanced level uh, grades where we have the dog stand and wait, and it's certainly it is a you know formal obedience skill. But um, I know that uh, if our listeners are deciding which one they want to use, I can tell you that uh, it's a lot easier for us as the, our, the trainer or you know the human, the dog owner, to identify any mistakes, have great timing if your dog makes mistakes, if you're using the sit. It's just visually uh, easier and you're able to have 
more uh, accurate, uh, you know, timing with your voice to, to mark those behaviors. So even if you maybe started, if you think oh, I'd love to have a stand and wait with a threshold training, even starting with the sit uh, might be a little bit easier for not only your dog, because certainly it's easier for them to understand, but also for you. Uh, and you can work towards that stand. Definitely. So let's talk, let's talk about proofing a little bit when we're proofing uh, some of these uh, exercises. Um, or or maybe, maybe we can jump into uh, just teaching the stay uh, first yeah. before, we, before we get into proofing it. Yeah, so that's always my um, it's sort of a sort of a step that is contingent with the sit as well. I don't, I don't want, I don't ever want my dog thinking that he can self-release on any cue. So for me, sit the stay is implied. Um, I in this situation, I don't use a stay cue. I simply use my sit. And the expectation I always have with my dogs, and what we always recommend here, is if you say sit, the behavior doesn't extinguish itself. The dog should sit until you do use that release word and tell them that they're okay to get up from that sit. So the stay being implied, if my dog got up out of the sit at any point, I would simply place them back. And, and that clarity, again, is so, so important. We want to bathe our dogs in rewards for being right, but we also need to be clear with them when they're wrong, when they've made a mistake. We need to tell them that. And it is not going to be a detriment of any type. It's actually going to help them learn because you're not leaving them floundering when they make the mistakes. You are very clearly giving them information on both sides of the spectrum. So if I've told my dog sit and he happens to get up, again, I've got my leash on so I can easily stop him and I'm simply going to gently place him back in that sit, let him know he has to remain there until released. And then I can start to introduce some proofing exercises. So initially with a young dog that doesn't have a lot of skills, maybe doesn't really know the stay exercises yet and hasn't worked through a lot of this, I am going to start with very light distractions. So if I've told my dog sit, I might just start by stepping away from their side. And if they're remaining in the sit, I'm going a yes, walk back and then deliver a treat or some sort of reward, whatever you're using to reinforce things. Try to mix those things up too. You know, if you've got a dog that uh, that really likes food, that's great, but you might also use some light petting, maybe a chest rub, something like that. And again, be very clear that they're never to get up until you've released them with that okay. Anytime they do, it's all just part of the learning process and it's going to be great for clarity to place them back. So that those proofing measures, you want to start with really, really light things, but then get to the point where you can throw food on the ground in front of them. You can, and this is of course, you know, systematically over time, you're going to build this. This is not going to happen in one day, but you might get to the point where you can drop their favorite toys in the room that you're teaching them that they're not allowed to enter yet until they've been released. You know, anything that might challenge them in that actual environment. So for example, if you've got kids in the house and you're teaching barrier training and the kids might be a distraction one day, use the kids in your setup so that you can invite them into the room and tell them to play. And then you're working with the dog and really reinforcing those good choices that the dog is making. The idea is to get to the point where your proofing and the distractions that you're using are so much harder than anything your dog will ever encounter in real life, that it'll become a no-brainer for them that they're able to work through and just sit back and go, yeah, throw whatever else you got at me. I know my job here. 
<laughs> and that and that's a great part about training and proofing is that uh, you're there to help your dog to be right, uh, and, and we know that's so vitally important when people uh, talk about that their dog can do things so well in the house or in the backyard, and then they get to on the street or in the park. I mean, that's all about proofing some of the skills that they have and and using distractions in their training. Now, people are uh, probably listening, thinking, okay, this is great. If I'm there with my dog, they're learning to not go through that uh, that threshold. They're they're learning to listen to me how do i make it their choice how do i how do i teach them to choose to not run out of the gate when it's open yeah, absolutely. And this is where dogs are a little bit individual. And um, some dogs are going to learn in certain ways. Other Some dogs are going to learn in other ways. But basically, the idea is that when we fade out the cue, we want our dogs to have had an extremely high history of reinforcement for those behaviors. So that the chances are, when I walk my dog up to that threshold with the leash, my dog is already thinking, I'm getting there and I'm sitting. So rather than having to rely on me to tell him to it. I've done so much repetition of this behavior that just like with your, um, you, you were using the example of walking on lead at the beginning of the podcast and you were talking about teaching Deegan to automatically sit when you got to the curb. You know, it, it, dogs pick up on those things very quickly when it comes to the idea that that's what's earned them reinforcement in the past. Dogs will repeat behaviors that they find rewarding. So we can use that to our advantage to then fade out the cue. I don't want to always have to have my dog rely on me to tell him to stop and sit at that threshold. I want him to have that responsibility on his own. So the first thing that I'm going to do is keep the picture the same with me, with my dog on leash, walk him up to that threshold. And then initially I will stop walking and wait for him to offer what I'm looking for, which is that sit. Resist the urge to help your dog at that point. You know, a lot of the times if they don't offer the behavior and people are watching and waiting and feeling bad for the dog, and then they will just sneak in a little sit cue and the dog gets it right, which seems like a good idea at the time. But basically what you're teaching your dog to do is not think through the process. You're teaching them to simply wait for you to give them those hints and give them those cues. And you're actually working against the idea of trying to get them to anticipate and offer those behaviors. So as much as it's going to be tempting to help the dog, and I've been in this position so many times and I always have to bite my tongue, bite my tongue, bite my tongue, wait for the dog to offer the behavior. If they don't, you know, not a big deal. If you wait for a really long time and the dog is still standing and just staring at you, I would walk the away and reapproach it again and see if you can get that automatic behavior. Again, just wait patiently until you get to the point where they think, oh, maybe I'll sit. And then at that point, you are going to mark it either with a yes or a clicker, depending on um, what you're using and then follow through with your rewards at that point. So basically the idea is that I ditch that sit cue and my dog starts to understand what his job and his responsibility is in this scenario. And I can think that, uh, I think that uh, we're always going to be prepared for if the dog makes a big mistake. We're, we're going to have our leash or our long line. You know, that's one of the important things that we always stress in our training is that uh, we're going to set our dogs up to be right, but we're going to give them, them an opportunity to choose. So if the dog decides to, uh, you know, not do whatever the behavior is, we're there to help them to not get hurt, number one in this uh, instance, but we're also there to, uh, to to help them to be right. Now, what if people um, are trying this over and over again, our listeners are, you know, trying to get to that point where uh, their dog is deciding, choosing to sit on their own, but they're there's still struggling. The dog is just too interested in what's beyond the gate or what's outside of the door. Uh, what, what suggestions or advice would you offer them? 
Yeah, so I would take a step back in that training in in different regards. I mean, you might have not done enough repetition of asking them to sit at the threshold for them to get to the point where they've got enough history of reinforcement and they're looking to offer you something that they think will earn reward. The distractions on the other side of the barrier might be too much for them at that point. You know, um, keeping in mind as well, if you're training a young dog, their learning sort of goes in, in ebbs and flows. So you're not going to necessarily have the same brilliant response today as you might tomorrow or vice versa. You know, there might be other competing uh, motivators in the environment. There might be different distractions as far as hormone levels and things like that that are kicking in with the young dog. So keep those things in mind and try to set yourself up to have success. Now, if I have gotten to the point where I've trained my dog, they're very reliable, they know what their job is, and they offer those behaviors when they think it is in their best interest, but then there's other times where they think, oh, you know what? There's a squirrel out there and I really want that. Having that leash on allows me to stop the dog. And what I want to make sure of is that my dog doesn't ever get rewarded for rehearsing the wrong behavior. So for example, if I decide to do this training without, um, without putting as much effort in and I've not done as much homework as I should or I've decided to let my dog off leash too early, my dog might will have the opportunity if he chooses to take it to run out and chase that squirrel. And that is going to set me back in my training so quickly and so heavily because the history of reinforcement that's going to be created by chasing that squirrel is going to trump in all likelihood the history of reinforcement of me feeding the dog. So I need to make sure that I'm not setting my dog up to make mistakes and get re reinforced for the wrong behaviors and thereby ending up in a situation where now I do have to pull out corrections to to get back to teaching him what he needs to do, etc. So I, it's so important that from the beginning I set my dog up to be right and I make sure that those safety measures are in place so that he doesn't make a mistake. I'm never going to take that leash off until I know that my dog is ready for that and until I know that I've worked through and I've proofed through so much that he is going to get it right even with the leash off and even if uh, the, the pizza guy comes by and throws a full pizza out in front of that gate he's still going to make the right choices i don't think Random i would be able people. to make the right choices if the pizza guy just threw a pizza outside of my door um I, i'm throwing pizza. yeah you, you never know um i'm <laughs> thinking about we're recording this uh in february and it's really snowy and icy and cold and uh, maybe someone goes and trains their dog to have an amazing stop uh, right now outside their gate, outside their door. In two or three months, it, there's going to be a completely different picture out there. And I think that's something that we need to remember as dog trainers and as we talk to uh, you know our, our podcast audience that um, there are always new challenges in your environment. So uh, if you are even the slightest bit unsure whether your dog's going to be successful you're going to help them and you're going to be prepared for if it goes wrong Yes, most definitely. And that's a brilliant thing to point out about the season changes because it looks completely different to your dog. Um, it, when I'm working with a young dog, I would start this threshold training somewhere safe in the house. So I would use one of the um, one of the bedrooms or, or the kitchen or something like that, for example, with my dog in the house so that I know that there's no chance that um, there's going to be a distraction that's overwhelming for my dog. If I start at the front door, chances are something's going to happen outside that's going to be too much for my dog in that instance. And 
things like changes of season can be a huge detriment for you with that in mind. So we want to make sure that as things change, as things look different to the dog, they can still work through that. And that world that comes along in a couple of months, please, <laughs> when spring comes and when the world is no longer white will look tremendously different for the dog. And uh, something that I'm really... Um... I'm so focused on, especially across all platforms that we uh, get comments from our audience uh, right now, is that we putting your dog in a situation where they're more likely to be successful, not it's not as challenging an environment, is going to make you a better trainer. And that's, in turn, is going to make you a better leader. So that's something that we are so focused on, uh, McCann Professional Dog Trainers, is uh, all of our students that come in, over 500 dogs a week, uh, and dog owners a week, we want them to be great trainers for their dog. I mean, we can we can easily take a dog, uh, train it, it'll have great skills, and then send it home with someone, and you don't know, you, you know, that person doesn't really, might not have good timing. But our focus is to allow the dog owner to be a great trainer for their dog, to be a great leader for their dog, and to, you know, uh, be able to troubleshoot a little bit. Um, and that's something that we do uh, quite a lot in our My Dog Can program is, you know, personalized training for all of our students. And uh, if you can tell me just a little bit, uh, just give our uh, listening audience just a couple of lines about uh, what, what we can offer them if they uh, choose to be a, become a My Dog Can student. Absolutely. So I think you hit the nail right on the head with training people to be better dog trainers. And that's been the really wonderful side effect of our My Dog Can program because we have so much time to spend with people. In our classes here, people come in for about an hour and a half each week and we get to, you know, really strongly support them during that hour and a half. And then, of course, they can call through the week and talk to the wonderful dog trainers in the office as well. But we don't get to spend a ton of time with them. Them. And as problems crop up, we maybe don't get to see those problems. So we don't get to help as much. With my dog, Ken, what's, what's been a really nice side effect is that we spend so much time getting to know each individual student that we can really help them identify those problems. We can really help them work through any issues. And we have such a diverse group of students that sometimes they make us think quite a bit as well about, wow, I never even thought about that as a problem. And we can, we can troubleshoot to come up with great ideas to help them through. And it just just makes everybody a better dog trainer in the group. We've got uh, an open forum with Facebook, um, which is a, a private exclusive group for our My Dog Ken clients. You can call us on the phone for support. You can email us for support. You can send us videos and we can critique those videos. And that is all in response to our eight-week training program, which is all of the basics, our grade one teaching the dogs to walk on leash nicely, no more pulling you, uh, sit stays, down stays, and of course the big one, coming when called. Regardless of what distractions are out there, that life-saving skill, we spend so much time teaching it. Um, the program itself, you get access for four months, but it's eight weeks worth of lessons. So, you know, if you have a vacation in the middle of it or you're sick one week, you're not going to fall behind. You've still got lots of time to go through the program. Well, Shannon, I think that's um, really exciting. I uh, look forward to um, you know meeting uh, all of our new My Dog Can students uh, each and every week in the Facebook group, as well as in the uh, all of our all of our social platforms. It's really exciting to watch the My Dog Can students progress. I want to thank all of our podcast audience for listening, and Shannon, I want to thank you for the conversation today. I think this is a really important skill, um, and, and I think it's peace of mind. You know, I think uh, I. I, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I taught this to Deegan uh, when it came to walking, but I also taught this to Deegan when it came to uh, the backyard, uh, as well as uh, our kitchen. Our kitchen didn't have a door on it um, when uh, 
she was a young puppy and so I didn't want her going downstairs. So uh, I taught her some of the threshold training and it really uh, was really valuable until I was able to put a door on that, on those, that downstairs uh, stairway. But I think it's a valuable skill. Definitely. Definitely. And if this is your first time listening to us on the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button. Um, we publish new podcasts every single week to help you to have a well-behaved four-legged family member and allow you to understand the why behind how dogs think and learn. And on that note, I'm Ken and this is Shannon. Happy training. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.